said to you, do it. Now, brothers and sisters, listen. That is the way we should respond. Individually, and that is the way we should encourage one another. Whatever God has said to you, do it. Do it. I really believe that this is the simple phrase, whatever God has said to you, do it. That is the Christian life, right there. Plain and simple. Whatever God has said to you, Oh, jealousy. If you have ever envied someone when they are blessed by God, know that it robs you of enjoying the blessings He has for you. In today's teaching, we'll hear Pastor Daniel speak about how our Father's love is not a competition. Just like our own kids, we don't love one at the expense of another. When we're busy being envious, we miss what He's doing in our own lives. Now here's Pastor Daniel in Genesis chapter 30, verse 43, with his continuing study entitled, The Prosperity of Jacob. For so many of us, we've rolled over on life because people have been shady in our midst. But God asks all of us to take our eyes off of the world around us and put our eyes at the cross where God's love and faithfulness is found. And through the lens of the cross, the finished work, the death and resurrection of Jesus, we view the world through that cross and we see someone being shady and we confront them in love. But we also have forgiveness available for them. Why? Because Jesus died and rose again. And we view a world that's full of shadiness with total hope that God can bring beauty out of ashes, that the Almighty One, because of who He is, is working things together for good for those who love Him, for those who are His children. And although it looks like shadiness prevails, God further prevails. And that is a hope that the body of Christ needs to not only believe, but live out in a world that wants hope and can't find it. So important for us. Laban is totally being shady, but God has a plan. Look at what happens. As this continues on in verse 37, now Jacob took for himself rods of green poplar and the almond and chestnut trees peeled white strips in them and exposed the white which was in the rods. And the rods which he had peeled, he set before the flocks in the gutters in the watering troughs where the flocks came to drink so that they should conceive when they came to drink. So the flocks conceived before the rods and the flocks brought forth streaks speckled and spotted. Then Jacob separated the lambs and made the flocks face toward the streak and all the brown in the flock of Laban, but he put his own flocks by themselves and did not put them with Laban's flocks. So it came to pass, whenever the stronger livestock conceived, that Jacob placed the rods before the eyes of the livestock in the gutters, that they might conceive among the rods. And when the flocks were feeble, he did not put them in. So the feebler were Laban's and the stronger Jacob's. Thus the man became exceedingly prosperous and had large flocks, 
male and female servants, camels and donkeys. Now, Jacob, he's just a human, so he's like, man, we're going to fight fire with fire. That's what he's thinking here. So he has an idea. Now, he talks about taking these trees and peeling back the stripes. There's a lot of discussion, scholarly discussion, about exactly what this means. And I'll be honest with you, I've never breeded cattle in my life. So, you know, I'm just going on the things that I've read. Okay, I've never even seen it done. Don't necessarily want to. I like eating it when it's on the table, but I don't want to see all that stuff personally. That's just me. But the reality is, is in effect, it would seem that for for shepherds in that day, there was a belief, some sort of folklore, that if they visualized multicolors, then they would conceive multicolored livestock. That's pretty much what's going on there. Now, in a lot of ways, this is like, remember the mandrakes of last, of last study, where, where they thought it would, it would help with fertility, and so Rachel traded sexual favors with Jacob for Leah's son's mandrakes? Do you remember that? And everyone's like, what is this? And I'm like, I don't really know. But the reality is, is that she thought it was, it was like superstition. If I eat these mandrakes, then I'll be fertile and then I can have a child. And it was interesting that she ate the mandrakes, but Leah got pregnant. So there goes that. And in a lot of ways, Jacob is doing the same thing. He's using folklore, superstition, by placing these rods that have multicolored and they're putting them in where they drank and so that, that when, they, when they would have sexual relations, because they were visualizing this multicolored thing, then all the children would be multicolored. It'd be like if, if, if you, if you want to have a child and you just think Justin Bieber is the cutest guy in the world, and so you're looking at a picture of Justin Bieber hoping you have a little boy who's got Bieber fever or something. I mean, it's a horrible example, but it's like that's kind of what it, it's what's going on here. And I know all of you are just praying that your children have Bieber fever as if they needed any help. They're like, somebody like Bieber fever, and don't worry about it. Don't Google it. But you see what's going on. Jacob is like, listen, if Laban is going to try and rip me off, then I'm going to work this guy over. That's what he's thinking. So he has this plan, having speckled things in front of their eyes. But the reality is, is that actually God prospers this. Because Jacob is doing selective breeding, the stronger of the, of the livestock, he's breeding the feebler one, he's placing aside and letting Laban keep the feebler one. And in verse 43, we find out that although Jacob is scheming, he became exceedingly prosperous. He had large flocks, males, female servants, and camels and donkeys. So what we find out is that once again, even though Jacob isn't always right, even though he does a million things wrong, God's grace is still upon his life because God has chosen him. And isn't that something we've seen all the way through this Patriarchs series? Abraham made mistakes, but yet God blessed him. Isaac made mistakes, yet God blessed him. Jacob made mistakes, yet God blessed him. Why? Because it's about faith apart from works. It's about grace rather than performance. And it's so hard for us because we so much want to do it. We want to be blessed by performance, don't we? That doesn't mean we should let our, the way we live go to the wayside. But the reality is, is you'll never work your way into God's blessing. You are blessed by God because God is gracious by nature. And we want to honor him so that we can walk in freedom before him. But not one of our performances put God in our debt. So many of us act that way. Like if I don't do X, Y, and Z, then God's going to give me X, Y, and Z. As if you can make God a debtor to you because of your good works. 
And the Christian gospel is, no matter how hard you try, and we need to try, we are not blessed by the works that we do. We are blessed by the pure, sheer grace of God. And that's the gospel. And for so many of us, we begin by grace, but we want to be made perfect by works. We're like the Galatians. And we think, if I just do X, Y, and Z, then the blessings of God will be in my life. But the reality is, is us walking in obedience doesn't make the blessings of God happen. It just prepares the way so they float without any hindrance. God's blessings are in your and my life because of the finished work of Jesus. Period. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And you know what's interesting? Everything without Jesus equals what? Nothing. If you have Jesus, you have everything. You are God's child. You are under his grace. And I know, listen, believe me, I know that that is a radical thing to say. But that's the gospel. I mean, if you look at Paul's letters, Paul's letters are continually helping churches realize this. It's not by works. It's by grace. Because God is a blessed and loving and gracious God despite who we are. And we see it again here in the life of Jacob. We see it in the life of Moses. We're going to see it in the life of David. We're going to see it in the life of Gideon. We're going to see it in the life of the apostles. Paul, all of these people, Mary Magdalene, all of these people received the blessings of God purely because God is a blessed person and he loves to bestow blessing. I hope we always keep that in mind. So what happens now? Look at chapter 31, beginning in verse 1. Now Jacob heard the words of Laban's sons saying, Jacob has taken away all that was our father's and from what was our father's, he has acquired all this wealth. And Jacob saw the countenance of Laban and indeed it was not favorable towards him as before. Then the Lord said to Jacob, return to the land of your fathers and to your family and I will be with you. So Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah to the field to his flock and said to them, I see your father's countenance that is not favorable towards me as before, but the God of my father has been with me. And you know that with all my might I have served your father, yet your father has deceived me and changed my wages ten times, but God did not allow him to hurt me. If he said thus, the speckled shall be your wages, then all the flocks bore speckled. And if he said thus, the streaked shall be your wages, then all the flocks bore streaked. So God has taken away the livestock of your father and given them to me. And it happened at the time when the flocks conceived that I lifted my eyes and saw in a dream and behold, the rams which leaped upon the flocks were streaked, speckled and gray spotted. Then the angel of God spoke to me in a dream saying, Jacob, and I said, here I am. And he said, lift your eyes now and see all the rams which leap on the flocks are streaked, speckled and gray spotted. For I have seen all that Laban is doing to you. I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed the pillar and where you made a vow to me. Now arise and get out of this land and return to the land of your family. Then Rachel and Leah answered and said to him, Is there still any portion or inheritance for us in our father's house? Are we not considered strangers by him? For he has sold us and also completely consumed our money. For all these riches which God has taken from our father are really ours and our children's. 
Now then, whatever God has said to you, do it. You see what happens now? Jacob is blessed. He's prospering. And Laban's sons see it, and they begin to envy him. Laban sees it. They begin to envy, saying, oh, Jacob is ripping us off. Now, I hope you realize envy is lethal. Envy robs you of enjoying the blessings of God. We know that in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it says, love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. I don't know how often I have seen envy rob people of being able to rejoice with people. How often does God bless somebody in some way and we say to ourselves, well, why did God bless them and not me? See, what it is is when we should be rejoicing with a brother or sister in God's blessings, we internalize and say, well, it's a competition. When is it ever a competition? It's not supposed to be. In speaking of our father's love, my children don't have to compete for my affections. They both have it. I can't love my daughter to the detriment of my son. I love my daughter and I love my son. But so often, envy keeps us from enjoying what God is doing in other people's lives. And we have to make sure. Say, and for some of us here today, we have to say, Lord, forgive me for my envious heart. Where I'm so busy wondering why I'm not receiving what someone else is getting. I'm missing out on saying, Lord, you are a good God, and look at what you're doing in someone's life. Look at what you're doing, God. We have to make sure we don't internalize other people's blessings and then see them as cursings on ourselves. Because God blesses whom he blesses. But Laban's sons, Laban, their countenance has fallen. God is blessing, and they're getting mad. So what does Jacob do? He calls his wives, and he says, listen, he, he probably sends somebody, he says, come out to the field, we need to talk. And he says, look, your father, Laban, his countenance has fallen. It's not favorable to me, but my God is with me. You know that I've served your dad. You know that he's been a scoundrel. He's changed my wages all these times, yet God has been strong on my behalf. He said, listen, it didn't matter what the outcome of our arrangement was. No matter what type of livestock I was going to get, God was going to have the offspring birth that kind. See, Jacob realized, listen, no matter what the deal was, God was going to bless me, no matter what was happening. And then he says, listen, and then I saw a dream. I had a dream, and God spoke to me in the dream, told me what was going on, said, I am the God of Bethel. Interesting. Do you remember Bethel? When Jacob was fleeing from his brother Esau, he ended up with a rock pillow, and he received this vision. God is in this place, Bethel, the house of God. That's what it means in Hebrew. God said, I'm the God of Bethel. I am the God who met you on the way in. And now it's time for you to go home. Go home. And Rachel and Leah say, listen, we better go. And they say, listen, Laban has squandered all of our inheritance. He squandered it all. We have nothing less. Whatever God has said to you, do it. Now, brothers and sisters, listen. That is the way we should respond individually, and that is the way we should encourage one another. Whatever God has said to you, do it. Do it. I really believe that this is the simple phrase, whatever God has said to you, do it. 
That is the Christian life right there. Plain and simple. Whatever God has said to you, do it. I remember reading Oswald Chambers recently. And he, remember when Jesus was talking to Judas and he said, what you do, do quickly? Oswald Chambers took that line and talked about Christian obedience and says, whatever God has called you to do, do it quickly. And I pray for us as a church, as individual believers, that whatever God has asked you to do, just go do it. Do what God is asking you to do. And trust God with the outcome. That simple reality that says, God, I feel God leading me in this direction. I'm just going to follow this. Whatever God has told you to do, do it. And hey, listen, this is a great way for families to function as well. Husbands and wives. So often, so often, God is calling a family to something. But, you know, listen, in a good family, the husband and wife need to get on the same page. It's called unity in the spirit. Right? But so often the disunity among husbands and wives have nothing to do with the spirit. It has to do with God is calling and someone is just not willing to say, Lord, what's your will for our family? We hunker down. And I'm not judging anybody. I know this very well. Lynn and I are traveling the path just like everybody else. I don't know how many times God has laid something on one of our hearts and we're like, you hunker down. You're like, I don't even want to say, Lord, your will be done because I... That puts me under responsibility. But would to God that as children of his, that we would be willing to exhort one another, whatever God's called you to do, go do it. Go do it. God is the captain of his own army. And he wants all of us to be part of that fight. You know, historically, the church has been called the church militant. Now, of course, you use military language, especially in a day and age like we live in, that's a kind of a negative thing because there's a lot of wars going on and we have lots of young men and women who are getting hurt overseas and things like that. But the reality is, is that the idea of being an army, which means there is a battle that's raging and it's a battle for souls of people and nobody in the military is just hanging out, Right? Everybody has a function, a job, something that need, they need to add to the battle in order to, to be successful. And there's no such thing as a pew sitter in Christianity. There's no such thing as I'm in the audience, I'm on the sidelines. No, no, no. Each one of us, it's the Olympics right now, each one of us are running the race. It's just a matter if we realize it or not. Some of us right now, Right now, you're on the track and you're standing next to the block, but you're not even ready to run. You haven't realized that, listen, you're not there as a spectator. Christianity is not a spectator sport. And each one of us has things that God has before us, things that he wants us to do. And I want to encourage each one of us, whatever God is asking you to do, just do it. Just do it. I remember for me when I first heard God say, Daniel, I want you to do something. I was naive enough just to say, okay. I was playing music professionally. I was in a band. We were on the road. We had albums out. My whole career was taken off. And I was like, look, I want you to preach my word. I'm like, okay. You know, so me being a good, you know, educated kid, I'm like, well, I'll go, I'll go to Bible college. And I got my Bible college applications and seminary. Not that I, they would have ever accepted me. You know what I mean? At least at that point, there's no way I was getting into a Bible college. 
You know, and I remember filling, starting to fill these out. And the Lord would be like, no, 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 I, I just, I want you to throw those out. I want you to use you right now. And I'm just like, okay. That, that was my response. Okay. And I got taken on staff at a church three weeks later. Could never have gotten into seminary, but I got a job at a church. Go figure, you know. I don't say that to pat myself on the back because God's used me despite me the whole way. But just that simple naivety to say, God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. And sure, God is going to ask you to do things that are over your head. You know why he does that? Because he just wants to do it. He just wants you to hang out and watch. I always think of Teresa of Calcutta. Mother Teresa said, I I know that they say God will never give you more than we can handle. I just wish he didn't trust me so much. (laughs) You know, and it's a cute saying, but the reality is, is God doesn't trust her. He trusts himself. And he's just looking for a vessel to pour through. I've always heard it said this way. God's not looking for ability. He's looking for availability. God's looking for someone who's looking for a job. But for so many of us, we're not available. You know, like Moses, God calls, like, not me, Lord. I can't do this. I can't do that. What about this? What about that? We have, like, the whole, Lord, let's work it out, rather than just being like, okay, Lord. Can you imagine what it would have been like for Moses? I mean, remember, Moses didn't want to go. And so God had to send Aaron, and that went real well, right? Aaron, who made the golden calf for everybody to dance around. It's a great job, bro. But can you imagine if God in the burning bush just said, Moses, let's go. And Moses was like, okay, let's go. This verse really grabbed me as I was studying it. Because Leah and Rachel are like, whatever God's telling you to do, let's go do that. Let's get in step with God. Even though, I mean, obviously it's going to be uncomfortable for these gals. They're leaving the only life that they've never known. But they're trusting God and they're saying, look, let's do this. If, you want to, if that's what God wants, let's roll that way. And I pray that we all find that place with God. That we can trust him to do exceedingly abundant beyond anything we can imagine. By simply stepping out, saying, Lord, I will do it. Now, verse 17. Then Jacob rose and set his sons and his wives on camels. And he carried away all his livestock and all his possessions, which he had gained, his acquired livestock, which he had gained in Padanaram, to go to his father Isaac in the land of Canaan. Now Laban had gone to shear his sheep, and Rachel had stolen the household idols that were her father's. And Jacob stole away, unknown to Laban the Syrian, in that he did not tell him that he intended to flee. So he fled with all that he had. He arose and crossed the river, headed towards the mountains of Gilead. So Jacob simply just bolts. He sees Laban goes to shear his sheep, and Jacob's like, I'm out of here. And we get this kind of curious note that Rachel goes in and steals the household idols. In the Hebrew, it's the teraphim, which is, you know, just uh, like, we don't know exactly what the teraphim were, and people argue about, are they some sort of Canaanite deity or this type of deity? But it was some sort of a household god. They they worship pagan gods there, and so she grabs these things. Now, we're going to see in a second that Rachel is going to be able to hide them by sitting on a saddle. And I'll I'll get to that. I'll make an application for you because you do not want to worship a God who you can sit on and hide. Jesus is real. Whatever God has called us to do, we should do it quickly. That's what we found out today when Leah and Rachel heard about Laban's envy of Jacob. Jacob's wives said they would go along with whatever was God's will, which should be our priority as well. 
It's our joy to bring you Jesus is Real Radio each day here on this station. We want to give you the opportunity to partner with us here at Jesus is Real Radio so we can bring the ministry to as many people as possible. Simply log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and select Partner from the main menu. There you can help spread God's Word by becoming a monthly supporter or by giving a one-time gift. God does amazing things when we simply listen to His Word. He transforms and shapes us into His image as we are exposed to the Bible. Maybe after listening today, someone specific is on your heart. You know that this message is something they need to hear. Please log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com. You can share this message to your Facebook timeline, tweet a link, or even embed the audio wherever you'd like. So log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and share this message with your family, friends, and neighbors. Join us again here on Jesus Is Real Radio when Jacob and his family finally leave Laban's household. It doesn't go smoothly, though, when Laban discovers that his household idols are missing and Jacob makes a rash vow about the punishment of the offender. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through his series entitled Patriarchs. That's next time on Jesus Is Real Radio. Jesus is real.